Hi, I'm Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. Victory Over Sin, and my name is Mark Rennick. Good Saturday afternoon to you guys out there. Victory Over Sin. This is in the first part of the show. What we attempt to do is to explain what Victory Over Sin is. It's sponsored by Systemic Change of Idaho. And Systemic Change of Idaho, we're going to call that an advocacy group funded through Southwest Council for St. Vincent de Paul. And what our mission is, if you will, is to find people who have been incarcerated, who are on parole, who have been in the system, and to bring them along to help us change the direction of what people think about people who are in the system here in Idaho. Our goal is to find people, hopefully like you if you're listening to me and you've been in the system, to come along board here, get trained in terms of what we're presenting and putting together in a presentation format, and we're going to go out and we're going to talk to Idahoans. We're going to talk to them in their churches, in their service groups, and in HR departments, any potentially any place that wants to hear about the Department of Corrections and how it works. We're going to identify things that are issues for us, and we're going to hopefully change that. As you know, Idaho's Department of Corrections in the parole system probably needs some attention, and we're going to educate people on what it's like to be on parole, and that's our mission. That's what we're attempting to do with this process. So if that's something that touches at your heart, at the end of the show, I'm going to let you know how to get in touch with me, and hopefully um, that's something that you can get involved with. If you're listening to me in the desert, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to affect things. We're trying to make things better for you guys, you ladies and gentlemen who are out there, and make it better for you and easier for you as you go forward. Many of us know that it's difficult, very difficult to live on parole, the restrictions they put on us, especially if you have extra tags like sex offender, et cetera, stuff like that. So we're working on those things for you. This is going to play out for the next few weeks in terms of if you're interested, we're having a steering committee on this Monday night at 6 o'clock in the offices of Peer Wellness Center, and that's at 6 p.m. at 963 South Orchard. I think we're going to be in Suite 201 on Monday night. You can come to that steering committee and listen to it. But in addition to that, on July the 13th, we're having what is going to be our first kind of quote-unquote training situation in which uh, we're going to have a lot of these people who have indicated they want to be involved in the system. And we're going to bring them together and talk about it. We're going to have the rough draft of the PowerPoint. We're going to do some role playing. We're going to have some people who support people in terms of learning how to speak. And we're going to go forward. So keep that in the back of your mind. That's the afternoon of July the 13th at the Lennon Building in downtown Boise. And also another notable while I've got you with your calendars open in October on the 18th, we're going to have another listening forum like we did back in February where we invite the entire community to come in and talk about what we're doing. So those are the things that we're working on for the future. And again, at the end of the show, I'll let you know um, basically what we're going to, how you can contact me and how you can get in touch with us. As I mentioned before earlier, I'm, I'm excited to have my guest. Uh, we've been doing this show. I think this is our 25th or 26th show. And it, I've been too long to bring in uh, my friend and um, the man who is the lead pastor at uh, 10 Mile Christian, Steve Moore. Steve, welcome. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Honored to be here. Yeah, this is kind of cool. I waited too long to get you, but uh, uh-huh. I wanted to make sure at least, you know, I was probably making a fool of myself in the earlier episode, so hopefully you've got me down a little bit better. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about Steve Moore. I mean, I know a little bit about it, but not. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to you, but give me some background on you. Well, I grew up uh, in the Portland area. I came here to, to Boise in uh, 
January 1971 to go to uh, Boise Bible College. Mm-hmm. At that point, I didn't really have intention to be a uh, a pastor, but that's the way it turned out. I ended up staying. I've spent my whole um, career uh, in the ministry here in uh, Meridian mm-hmm. at uh, what is now Ten Mile Christian Church. We've relocated a couple of times, so that wasn't always our name. But uh, anyway, same church and uh, been a great life. It's actually amazing. It's since 1976, right? I, I've been a preaching minister. I actually started with the church in 1972. I wow. uh, was a youth minister, and I've been the preaching minister since 1976. That's in, in, in this day and age, that's just unheard of. You are, and I think you are. Uh, I would, I assume you'd agree. You're such a blessed man. I mean, uh, both your parents are still alive. Your wife's parents are still alive. You got three beautiful children, and you've watched this entity emerge. Kind of, that's really powerful. Yeah, really, really unique experience, and it's our home. You know, our whole family now, and. Uh, was the kind of thing you don't really set out to plot it. It's just just happened one by one, and uh, God's blessed us. Yeah, I think it, I think that's uh, the lesson for anybody that's listening to us on the radio. I think uh, as you follow what God's tempting to direct you in, and you listen to the Holy Spirit, those are the kinds of things that happen, and that's what's happened to Steve. And um, uh, it's just powerful to interact. And congratulations! That's uh, thanks. The, the the best is yet to come, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. Very, very honored. Yeah, and I think what you're doing is leaving um, a legacy for others to follow, too. So that's fantastic. We get to talk about how you and I met, if that's okay with you. Most people who listen to this know that uh, I'm 74975. I was in the system and uh, did seven years in the system at, uh, for the Department of Corrections and um, was a part of a program, a unique program, that we would love for the Department of Corrections to do again. It was called Hope Community. It was out at Max from... Uh, Christmas of 2005 to September of 2009. Uh, I actually have a nonprofit now called IMSI Hope Community Phase Two that I named that odd name in part because I wanted to keep that memory alive. And uh, a vital part of that was you and your congregation. I can tell the story that uh, we were uh, the only faith-based program in a maximum security institution in the nation. And we were struggling. We had volunteers coming in. We all lived in G-Block. There were 36 of us. People flowed in and flowed out. But the key that they needed was someone to come in and bring us mentors. And you were responsible for doing that, correct? Yes. uh, You know, I give God the credit for that. It was just something that was placed in front of me. uh, A man that was a chaplain, I think, at the time, volunteer Mm -hmm. maybe, came Mm -hmm. in, and he was attending our church. And he came and approached me about it, and I thought, this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they told me they needed 36 guys, and I think originally we found 42, so we'd have some extras, but yeah. uh, it, it really was good. Yeah, and I think that uh, powerful things have happened since that time, because uh, that's been ages now, it seems like, almost a decade. And um, I've, in particular, have watched some of the people who have flowed through that program, kept track of them. We've had some really nice successes. We've had some people who still struggle with it. And I don't mean to make it sound like it was utopia out there because it certainly wasn't. Uh, there were only 36 beds. I estimate that probably over 200 people flowed through that operation in those three years but because it was it's very hard, if you think about it, to live in a building with 36 men with really only one officer per shift and to live uh, a strong Christian kind of background. It's 
we got the reputation for a while. I think you would agree that if you go there, you're going to get out. And so everybody wanted in. But living at 24-7 was not an easy situation. That's right. Yeah. And I think, again, the mentors that you gave us was, that you actually facilitated, I guess would be the better way, is was powerful in that I had a person come out and see me uh, for three and a half years every Thursday. And that I can't you know, stress enough how impactful that was to have somebody from the outside come out, walk into the institution, not in a visiting situation. In the visiting room, he came out to tear, sat with us and talked with us. And that's, what, that's where you and I got to know each other, right? Right. And I think that was the, the great dynamic of it. It really was one-on-one. And as uh, and far as I'm concerned with, with Christ, that's what it boils down to, you know, treating you know, people as an individual. Yeah, would you agree with this too? I think it's so much – we were talking before we went on air with uh, our executive producer. He was here before he got here. So much of it, that is what really makes a person's heart change, if you will, is when I see that you've extended yourself – to come to do something for me, and you do it representing what you believe, that's powerful for me. And it doesn't always hit me the first time you do it, I think, but if you keep doing it and you're consistent with it, that's really the most powerful way you can share your walk. Would you agree with that? Or? Right. I, I think that was what was powerful about it is that the guys just kept coming back. And the logical question is, why are you doing this? Uh, because it was their own time. It was their own gas money. It was, you know... You go there you're an hour with the guy. A lot of them, it was an hour drive and an hour drive back home. That's a three-hour commitment. And mm-hmm. the answer is because you're valuable and Christ has called us to, to love. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's the only answer. Yeah, I think uh, um, it's – we just – we kind of, I think, in all the stuff that we do because you – uh, direct a large church, and, and I work with stuff, but I, I work with a lot of different people in a lot of different situations uh, trying to support them, but it really gets all broken down to just that, and and I think the simpler we can keep that, um, the better it's going to be. So again, you're listening to me out there, and you're broken, and, and you don't know what you're going to do, and you think, gosh, you're talking about me, I've been in the system, or I have this addiction, or reach out to us again, we're going to give you a number at the end of the of the program, but get in touch with us and we can kind of connect you up with some of these settings that can support you. And if you're out there in the desert, you need to uh, be prepared that what you're going to face upon release is much, much more difficult than what you're doing right now. And it really is going to be a change of heart. You're not going to be able to just go out and say, I'm going to get this job, I'm going to do this, and it's going to automatically go because it just doesn't work that way. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's it's a daily, you know, as one guy said, life is so daily. And uh, that's that's what you got to capture. Yeah, you in my I've watched you over, and again I got to see you as you came out there and visit with your mentees, and I got to see you um, interact with us uh, in a very powerful way. And the way you presented yourself and what you believe was uh, impressive for me. And yet we weren't you weren't my mentor, but you were out there, and you could always tell. I always jokingly kid you that you I, I saw. I think you at your happiest, maybe, when you were out there with us. You disagree with that when <laughs> we talked. But uh, it was very powerful. And you've had three different people and what, uh, in terms of being your mentees. Uh, we can name them. But, but talk about the relationships you had with each one because you kept, it, you, kept it, you kept it private and you still keep it private. And talk about that and how that's worked for you and what that's done for you, please. Well, I think what uh, – 
always challenged me is with the very first one, what's notable is what was really helpful to me because I, I had, hadn't really had any experience with prison ministry. That um, visited a couple of guys that had gone to, to prison, and that's, that's about the extent of it. I had a passion for it. I'm, I think I'm, uh, my track record is, is that I, I just care about people. And so I, I sat down. What was impressive was just listening and getting to know the person and, and hear his story and hear what kind of a uh, childhood he had, really what he didn't have, and go, wow, life isn't fair, mm-hmm. and it isn't. So what are we going to do about that? And in each case, uh, just seeing them as an individual and saying, had that happened to me, where would I be? Mm-hmm. And it's real easy to judge people and say, and, and no one's... No one's advocating for the behavior and the choices that they made that put them in prison. But then what? And that's to me, is, is the gospel is, you know, when Steve Moore does something he shouldn't, then what? And, uh, you know, we don't, we got to help people get back up. And that's one by one, as you said, and that's, that's person by person. And, uh, so, if it's person by person, because that's what I mean, you'll speak like in sermon last week. You said Friday I was at IDOC, but you didn't say I know where you're visiting, but nobody. I, I doubt that people remember who you visit. So it's it's um, that's on purpose, I assume, right? Yeah. I guess I think it's just who I am. I mean, no, I don't need any attention, no. and so it's. But in, in the course of life, I think that's what as Christians the best thing is if just in the course of life we just touch people. Right. And what that's going to look like can vary from place to place, person to person. But, yeah, uh, I, when, I go to, when I go into to a prison to visit a guy, I'm there for whatever I'm doing with that individual. But I have a lot of other thoughts beside, and I, you know, in that particular sermon, I was just making a point that I'm affected by going into the prison, and that's been good for me. Right, right, right. And I think that's too. That's the thing that um, we've had. Um, well, our, our buddy Daryl, he's still an elder, but Daryl Taylor's retired, and so we're trying to fill that kind of gap at Ten Mile and make that sort of work has been, you know, we're still working on it, it's still a work in progress, I guess. So, you know, I'm always the guy tugging on your coattails saying, let's talk more about this. But that, that it's such a, I think the thing that I want to get to is that it's the feeling that you get from that is powerful. The feeling I get from that is powerful. And that's a real great way, simple way, for a Christian to reach out and just do one little kind of simple thing. It's an extension for them to say, I can do this or that. And it's 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 not that I don't appreciate that when somebody brings in something for us and leaves it off, but it's one more step that can help that Christian uh, feel more like a Christian. Like they're they get to really live that Christianity when they reach out and just kind of do one thing with somebody like that. And that can be a real simple thing. It can be as easy as taking somebody to uh, health and welfare to get food stamps or something like that. It's a real simple way, and it's inexpensive, and it's um, a way in which we have to work to get more people involved in that. I think that's what we're attempting to do with systemic is to educate people. So that's the same kind of concept. And I guess my challenge for you and I as we work together is to say, how can we share what you and I experience? Because 
there are some great highs, and we've seen some lows too, and some of the people we've interacted with. But that that's life, and you preach that you know this Christ, being a Christian is not an easy thing. You know, it's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be all bed and roses. But we need to work on a way to get more of those folks involved. Does that does that make sense to you? Sure, yeah. I, I I think that you know. Uh, Christians, we talk a lot about being called. Well, what is a call? I, I, exactly. A very simple definition for me for a call is when you see a need, um, you've been called. When yeah. Jesus talks about if your brother comes to a hungry person comes, you don't go, okay, yeah, go your way and uh, be filled. Mm-hmm. It's when that's a calling. Yeah, and I think that. Yeah. So that's that's going to play out in everyday life. And, and in the same way Dave Stone probably heard that calling to talk to you about mentors is the way that I want to – somebody has that thought in the back of their mind from listening to something you say, I want to be able to follow up on that for them, you know? And that's difficult to do. Um, we'll talk about IDOC in a second, but I also, before we do that, I want to tell a story about when I did get out. You've A couple words of wisdom that Steve has, has portrayed to me over the years, because I've been out six years now. And when I first got out, uh, I think I made an appointment with you, and we sat down. And, um, You've got a better memory on this stuff than me, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we sat down in his office, and we kind of went over this stuff. And uh, I was – if you're out there in the desert, again, I'm trying to caution you, don't do what I did. But I was kind of whining because it took too much gas to get to 10 miles. I lived in Boise, and I was looking for help from everybody. And at one point, I was whining about my Isuzu Trooper that was my trademark, I guess you will, driving around for so long. It had a cracked windshield. And when I bought it, it had a cracked windshield. And I was kind of whining to Steve about my cracked windshield and um, implying that, hey, you know, you ought to step up and help me pay for that cracked windshield. <laughs> and, and what you said was, you know, Mark, the windshield will be okay. Just, you know, people have cracked windshields all the time. So I'll give you an update. Six years out, the car is not running as well as it used to, but it's sitting in front of my apartment. It still has a cracked windshield. So I, now, Mark, as you tell me that story <laughs> – our premium car, my wife Bethine and I, we've got a 2003 Chrysler. It's got a cracked windshield. Okay, that's our best car. Well, and I've moved up to a 2001 Mazda that was, you remember, Freddie Real. It was his wife's car. That's what I'm driving. So that's the same way, but it doesn't have a cracked windshield. Long way from your heart, as my old football coach used to say. <laughs> that was it. So that was cool. But anyway, I just want to tell that story about Steve because that kind of gives you a – he didn't even remember that when I brought it up today. That's just uh, – Talk, let's talk about the Department of Corrections because 10 Mile has had and is known. I think if you went to somebody and you said, uh, who does prison ministry in the Treasure Valley? One of the first people would be would be 10 Mile Christian. Talk about that history and where we are and what do you think about that, et cetera, et cetera. Because well, we were on – I'm on my third director and it's only been six years, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of the credit to that goes to a man that was in our church that you mentioned his first name, Daryl, and uh, he had been in – uh, an employee in the Department of Corrections retired and became joined our staff. And of course, he had a passion for this, and that helped us because he had connections. Um, but we, our first real stab at at formalizing thing was that Hope Community, and uh, from there, yeah, we've we've had a lot of experience. I mean, uh, the Department of Corrections over the years has had meetings where they listen to the, the volunteers. That's usually the status uh, that I think I'm correct in that. They're classified as volunteers. They and they're wonderful. from all different faith-based uh, uh, organizations and mm-hmm. ministries that, that go into prisons, various prisons, various capacities. And so we've been a part of that uh, network, if you will. And uh, so it, 
that the reality is that it's a uh, it's a challenging task. I mean, uh, there's a, there are laws and there's rules and and uh, you have to operate within that and navigating that. That was for me something that was different because I'm used to working in a church and I'm used to being the senior minister. And at times, there are times when somebody has to make a call and we just say, okay, this is what we're going to do. But it isn't often quite that simple when you have to have all, you know, have quite a bunch of procedures that have to be followed. So that's something to navigate. And what I've found helpful in doing that is just trying to look at it through their eyes. You know, what what Jesus said, uh, do unto your, your, you know, others what you want done to you and when you start looking at it through their eyes it helps a little bit handling the fact that at times it, it can feel cumbersome um and uh but working with them yeah i think it, 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 i i share that too i think that we you and i've spoken before about the fact that it's so hard for people once they're out in the system to recognize that just because you're in pearl you're still a part of that system and you still have to yield to the demands of that system, and that's difficult. You can say it's not fair, and blah blah, and and it's difficult. Uh, the example I would use is that I sat here and announced a great new program they're going to have that starts in the morning, where we meet people getting out of prison, and the director was the one who helped me kick it off a few weeks ago. Still making that work two months later is difficult because he said I'll send it to all the case managers. I mean, we're still waiting for that to fully kick in, but like everything else we do in life. You know, it, it just takes some time, and you have to keep working at it. And eventually, God will see this hand, and it will start to work. And it is starting to work. It's become a spot where people start to network. And we've got one volunteer, and we've got two people on kind of a paid-through-experience-works kind of thing where it's going to work. And I think it will work eventually. But you're right. I thought, oh, well, the director will send this out to the, all the case managers. This will be successful. And it hasn't happened yet. But slowly, through time, through seeing that positive things for interaction, we're starting to see the results of that. And I think that's what we've got to do. And as you and I talk, because you and I don't talk, you're a busy guy all the time. And so sometimes we talk, then we can make what you do at 10 Mile and how I can help you at 10 Mile work better too. And that's, that's I mean, I love visiting with you, but that's also what I want to do too. So does that make sense? Yeah, you bet. So talk about a little bit about – we've got just a few minutes left, but let's talk about the great things that uh, Tenmal does in the Meridian community because you seem to put yourself in a spot where you really want to be the conscious and the voice and supportive of what needs to happen in the city of Meridian. Could we talk about that and how you make those decisions? Well, I, that's – I think at the heart of the gospel was first off is that we don't want to be uh, – church can easily just sort of isolate themselves and – and a church just we we just do church whatever that means that means we make sure there's uh, bible school classes and we have a worship service on sunday or whatever you can and that does take that does take i'm not minimizing that whatsoever all that's important in fact our our motto at 10 mile christian is worship learn and serve but that also has to play out into real life and so i think it's very important for me as an individual um one of our staff values, and this is an example of this, is that we, if you're on staff at 10 Mile, there's the things we pay you to do, and then there's the things that you just need to do. Just to do every, everybody has to have something that they're doing that isn't in their job description that they do as a, as a volunteer. Like everybody else, for one thing, to keep yourself in touch with how the other people in the church have to behave because they're doing godly things and they're not being paid for it. So I think it plays out 
in things like uh, doing things in the community that, uh, you know, working with the mayor Meridian on things that are that are good for the community or or the, the prison ministry. We have a strong celebrate recovery ministry and and that's about getting people with hurts, habits and hang ups and that's gonna obviously put you in position to, to to do a lot of things. Okay. Well like I said, we're getting close to the end of our time, but I thank you so much for coming and I hope that uh you know, us doing this, you and I talking, we don't get to talk all the time. We should do it more regularly. But you can come back. We can do it again. Or let's just keep going in terms of following the directions. I think what Daryl would want to do kind of thing. I mean, Daryl's still an elder and he's still around there. But uh, anything I can do to help you, I think you believe that anything you ask me to do anything, I'll be happy to do that for you. You know, you're soon, right? You bet. Thanks, okay. Mark. Thank you. Honored to be here. Okay. Okay, again, I want to thank Steve Moore coming into uh, the show today. Uh, it's real impressive. Steve's a, Steve's a good man. If you're out there in the desert and you're thinking about 10 Mile when you get out, that's a good place to stop. And he, st- he just still does five services a week. I was going to ask him about that. But five services a week. And if you come in the afternoon, man, you see this gray-haired dude behind the counter at the connection point. You can come up and say hi to me. That's good. And they have dinner for a buck in the afternoons. But if we've touched your heart and you need something in terms of understanding what's going on with us, you can contact us with www.systemicchangeofid.com. There's an email address on there that you can contact us. We're on Facebook with Systemic Change of ID, Instagram with Systemic Change of ID, or you can call us, area code 208-477-1006. Look forward to talking to you next Saturday on Victory Over Sin.